Welcome to the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast, where we unite with Christ to combat the shame surrounding young women struggling with pornography and share our stories and insights to gather more tools and weapons to fortify our stance on the front lines in the war against pornography. All right. Okay. Welcome to this next episode of the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast. I am super excited to have my guest here. She's kind of my girl crush a little bit. <laughs> she seriously, I just look up to her a ton because she has done a lot to um, change kind of the dialogue that that we have surrounding pornography and change it to a message of hope rather than a message of shame. Her whole thing is shame-free, sex-positive, and I love it. I love the, everything that she talks about. So I'm just super excited and honored that she would join me. Her name is Sarah Brewer, and I'll have you kind of give an intro to yourself. I want to know like what you do as far as like pornography, but I also want to know all your interests and your family and your hobbies and everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for saying that. Usually when people like tell me to introduce myself, I totally leave all of that out, which <laughs> yeah. is anyways... I don't want to because I love that other part of my yeah, life. Yeah, it's still I, a part of you. Yeah. So I'm Sarah Brewer. I'm a life coach. I help people quit viewing porn. Like Maddie said, shame-free, sex positive. I do a number of classes. I try to do four free classes a, a year. I have a program. I have a podcast. I have coaches who work for me in my program so we can offer a lot of one-on-one support. Just, yeah, that that's, that's me. That's what I do. Uh, I have two cute kids. They just had birthdays, so they're two weeks apart. Oh, cute! Like two years and two weeks apart is what. Yeah, I mean. yeah. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be yeah, yeah. That would be an anomaly right there. Yeah. <laughs> right. So they're five and three. My son, he's so cute. I just like adore him, and some, and he just he just loves me. I'm, he, I'm he's such a mama's boy. Oh, and you know the like coach therapist to me is like. I have to make sure he doesn't get too dependent on me or like that he's not too clean. You know, I'm like, oh no, I'm just going to take it all in love. <laughs> yes. We went to the Nickelcade yesterday and okay. he got a, like a friendship necklace, like with two heart pieces. And he gave me one of the pieces. Oh. <laughs> you know? He woke up this morning and the first thing he said to me, mom, why aren't you wearing your friendship? For- <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, he like had it on all night. That's oh, so, cute. so cute. My daughter is super feisty and I adore it. She is the most sass you'll ever see. She is anyways, she's cute. I'm trying to think of something specific she did recently. Oh, just just lots of sass and lots of sass. Yeah, it's really fun. I have a husband who helps me wrangle them and (laughs) yeah, I like hiking. I like coaching. I like business building. I like watercolor is one of a new thing I'm getting into. And something that like I, I always have on my mind is am I saying too much or am I not saying enough? And so that's a battle that I'm like working through and trying to coach through myself is how to say enough so mm-hmm. that I feel like I'm being really authentic, but also how to not say too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. No, so. I get that. I get that. I think that was perfect. And I loved hearing about your family. I think that was so yeah. cute. And yeah. Your kids sound so cute. So cute. Oh, my gosh. And I love the sass. I can appreciate some good sass. Yeah, me too. I don't want to squash it. Yes, exactly. Keep it around. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. Well, so 
you have worked, so you've worked in this field for how long? So like coaching or coaching around pornography or just like general wellness? Um, I was asking coaching around pornography, but if there's different answers, then tell me those. So, so I graduated BYU with my degree in therapeutic recreation to be a rec therapist. I don't even think it's a degree anymore. It's kind of a weird Mm -hmm. job, but (laughs) I mean, some people, you know, a lot of people really love it. And Mm -hmm. I was, I finished up my internship, was going to go get my license and did not found coaching. And it was like, heavens no. I'm trying not to swear on your podcast. <laughs> no, I'm not going to uh, – I'm not I'm not going to go be a rec therapist. I'm going to be a coach. Are you kidding me? And so then I started coaching return missionaries. Let's see. This was back in like 2019-ish. What, it's 2023 now. And then I really got into pornography-specific stuff close when my daughter was born. So like 2020-ish, like okay. 29, a little bit earlier. I kind of quickly moved into the pornography space after coaching or just returned missionaries. I did gotcha. like one big round of coaching return missionaries and pornography came up so much. And the tools that I have that I was certified in, the sex positive skills that I really value, the buffering, all that you know combined really created a lot of really great results for people. And it just seemed like the right place to go. So that's, that's, you know, started focusing there on that. Cool. So like, so like three or four years, you'd say? Yeah. Long okay. answer for you. Asking no, that was, I wanted the long explanation. Okay. I think that's perfect. <laughs> that's really cool. So what, like you said that there were a lot of missionaries that came home and that's what they were struggling with. And did you feel kind of like a calling to it or was it just like, well, this is where the people are? Yeah, it was both. Of course. Okay. You know, I mean, like they're there there's a big part of me that like loves business and I'm like I want to build a really impactful big business and the way that you do that is you solve big problems you know and so so there was a part of that but but that wasn't enough you know especially to talk about something that you say you know it felt taboo at the beginning especially and and I was kind of scared and 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 I just it really, there was really a calling moment where I just remember being in my parents' basement and like, just boom, like God's like, go, go, go this way, Mm -hmm. go and do the porn stuff. And I just knew, and, and I also remember cause I was coaching someone then and like, you know, writing down some notes and thinking through some things that we were talking through. And I just remember like, like it hitting me so strongly, me seeing these patterns around pornography mm-hmm. and like what was creating the porn use. And I like saw it so clearly. And I was like, no one talks about it this way. Yeah. This is making it so much worse. And it was like so much clarity for why there's so much porn use and a way like, like so clear to me. And and that kind of helped with that moment too. That's like, boom, you like, I know you're scared, but let's go do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you mentioned like, like it's so it's, such a bigger problem than the than the pornography like the yeah it's it's more of the roots like I love how you talk a lot about the roots mm-hmm. so what would you say were like some of the the common roots that you saw in return missionaries and then as you've kind of like I'm guessing you've kind of expanded your coaching yeah. what roots do you commonly see in in other people as well yeah so with the return missionaries and for most of my honestly religious clients in general especially ones that that I've seen grow grow up in like more conservative religions and even like more LDS spheres the shame is always the biggest problem mm-hmm. well I guess always is a big statement but it is most most often like the biggest problem um, because the shame and it's not just shame around the porn use but it's shame around sexuality in general mm-hmm. and what that does is it creates well it creates shame spirals so you view porn you feel shame you you view more porn because you're feeling 
feeling so bad. But it also leads to just a lot of resistance and willpower, which is finite. There's not very much of. It leads to beliefs about yourself that keep you stuck in porn. I just recently interviewed someone on my podcast who he he heard me talk about addiction, you know, in some of my some of the ways I talk about addiction, and and it just like clicked for him, and he quit porn like so quickly because he was wow. able to change how he thought about himself. And so the shame is just it, it creates a lot of those issues. That's that's probably the biggest root. That's probably the biggest root. And and I'm trying to think of you know like other clients. Um, I mean you know your clients are gonna struggle with shame to differing levels, but there's always some shame there to work on. For other, I, th- I think some other big roots are, it's just going to be buffering, which is escaping negative emotion. Of course, involves the shame. You're going to be escaping shame, but not knowing what to do with emotion is a huge, huge, huge root. And the, and the other one that's coming to mind is like commitment, but not in the sense that we would think like, oh, you're just not committed enough. But people who haven't really sat down and decided what they want, they're Mm -hmm. trying to quit just because they think that they should. And Mm -hmm. so they're stuck in the shoulds. And the thing about that and like anything in life that you're doing, whether it's trying to quit porn, trying to work out or like whatever that is, if if behind it is because I should – and you might have to like really dig and make sure that you're like admitting to yourself that's why. You know, oh, no, but I really want to. But if you really, really get into it, do you you want to or are you doing it because you should – you're just not going to be able to make the change that you want to. So that's something else that we do a lot is we really flesh out people's whys. We do it in a shame-free way. So, okay, there's part of you that doesn't want to and you're doing it just because you should. What, like, let's just look at that. Let's just be curious with that. Let's not try to make yourself quit. Let's just like look and see what we can do. So, I love that. That was, there was so much good stuff in that. I want to go back. You talked about that guy that he just flipped the script from addiction Mm -hmm. and he said that you mentioned addiction in a different way. How do you define addiction differently? And then also, how do you feel about like the addiction models that are very commonly used to treat pornography? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of like, people have really strong opinions either way. What is recent in the research and the studies around this, the World Health Organization just stopped classifying porn use as like an addiction disorder and as a, oh gosh, what is it? A a compulsive, oh Mm -hmm. crap, crap, I can't remember. Is it like compulsive sexual behavior? Yeah, compulsive disorder. And so it's just like, it's like just a little bit of a different word, but it really changes the way that we treat things. What I find like on the ground with people is that sometimes the term addiction it creates a lot more negative beliefs and addiction mindset. So addiction mindset is like a fixed mindset. I can't change. A lot of times people in addiction recovery will hear like once an addict, always an addict. Mm. I ask people, you know, how do you feel when you say I'm addicted? And then we look at that. And so Mm. if if their feelings are, you know, I feel hopeless, I feel ashamed, I feel stressed, I feel like I'm never going to be able to change, then we can look at that and be like, this might not be a useful label for you because how do you show up when you feel hopeless how do you show up when you feel like you're never going to be able to change if they're saying I, I say addicted and I feel free you know or like I feel like I feel good and I, I feel like like truth and it and it's helping me and I can continue to have this growth mindset while using that label then mm-hmm. yeah use it it might be helpful the truth is there's a lot of bad studies out there and you have to be really careful and I have a bunch of podcast episodes on the research 
that you can listen to on my podcast about this. And I also have a friend who's going to come and do some work with me in my program who's a researcher at BYU. And like, anyways, we've had lots of conversations about this. She's going to come consult with me. So make sure that we're really like research based. But, but if you look at, there's just a lot of bad research out there that's like fear and shame based and, you know, tells you that porn is doing the same thing to your mind as like meth or something, you know, and the, and the truth is that's just, that's yeah. just not true. And so we have to be really careful at the kinds of research that we're looking at. And, and if you're not totally sure, you know, if this is true research or not, always ask yourself, how is it impacting me? If it's having a positive negative impact, if it's helping me quit, do it. If it's like fearing and shaming me into quitting, it's probably not going to be very helpful. Yeah. And so the the addiction models, I think, you know, it just depends on the person, how helpful it can be. A lot of my clients, you know, they look at their porn use and they're like, okay, viewing once a month, I don't know if that's really addicted. Yeah. Sorry, I could keep talking. So go ahead and say and ask if you have questions and then I'll keep going on my addiction. Okay, yeah, no, you're good. Okay, so I think that's so interesting what you're talking about as I was talking to Dr. Julie Fraumini McBride, and she talked about how we've just, like, since pornography is, quote unquote, this new problem, and, like, we just haven't had as much, at least as much access to it. Like, it's not like seeing, like, naked bodies is a new thing, but it's just the access is completely increased. And so we kind of, like, freaked out when we when it, <laughs> when it first happened. Yeah. And so the the people that were coming forward speaking about, hey, this is how you solve it with like the addiction models and stuff like that, that were, and the models that were very fear and shame based, they worked temporarily. And so people just kind of took it and ran with it. And so I think it's good that we're finally getting to a point where it's like, okay, let's actually like reanalyze this and see what's going on and see what's having like the long, long term effects. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's such a new thing, it's hard to actually see, okay, what are the the effects over 10 or 20 years and a lot of that like data we still don't have but anyway yeah. I, just, I just thought that was interesting but I want you to keep going with your with your stuff about addiction no that's, that's really such a good point I, I want to listen to that episode and maybe chat with her that, oh for sure yeah that's that's such a good point and and of course like no shade to anyone I think people are doing the best oh, yeah can, right <laughs> yeah no you're so right that's good that's good to mention because I mean I really do think like no one went into it with the wrong intentions like yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go make sure that these people never break free from this like <laughs> right. it's just like it's just like we didn't know you know so yeah, yeah. that's a good point yeah I mean and and I have clients who say all the time like the 12 step recovery stuff it, it can be helpful for like the the support and maybe some of the spiritual side of stuff but like it just it does it just it's not the solution it's just not mm-hmm. the solution and 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 you know like church leaders mo- a lot of church leaders know that too you know there's mm-hmm. a reason i get so many messages from bishops trying to ask what to do because just sending people to 12 step doesn't you know it doesn't really fix things at least in most cases that i see one other thing i would consider with the term addiction is like how functioning are you like what's your level of functioning if you're mm-hmm. able to live a mostly normal life so like you can hold a job you can you have safe relationships, you know, you're not doing anything super illegal or illegal in general, right? Not just mm-hmm. super illegal. <laughs> not doing anything illegal. You're you're safe. You're able to hold a job and have a mostly mostly normal life. Like if you're able to do that, addiction might not be the best term for that. Addiction mm-hmm. in my mind is typically reserved for things that keep you kind of non-functioning in life. And that's just maybe one way to look at it too yeah. that I sometimes bring up. I think that's good. Yeah, that is a really good way to look at it help people kind of redefine the term and not everyone who has ever viewed pornography is an addict yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think did, I'm, I'm curious did you think that about yourself 
Well, honestly, I just didn't know <laughs> anything. <laughs> like, I think actually at the beginning of this, like, I, I think I did call it an addiction at, at some point, but it was more for lack of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I usually use like struggling or struggled with pornography because I think that's just yeah. a better term to use. Okay. Okay. So I want to go to your, like your two pillars of the, of the Sarah Brewer overcoming pornography for good brand. You have shame-free and you have sex positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you to dive more into the shame-free because I think a lot of times, I mean, you hear people like who work in the, in the pornography industry and there's like, they're like, oh, there's no shame about, about doing this or, you know, this is super empowering and stuff. Or, or there's no shame about viewing pornography. Like, this is a normal thing. I guess kind of explain, like, what do you mean by shame-free? How do you take, how do you take the shame out of yeah, it? Yeah, so, I mean, it means a lot of things. That's a really good question. It, it just mostly means we never use shame as a motivator. We never, ever use shame as a motivator. And it's one of the first things that we look at and, and try to work through with our clients is what's the level of shame here? How's it affecting you? And how can we rewrite it? So much of the work that I do that is really beneficial is rewriting shame beliefs. And Mm. so, you know, beliefs, there's something wrong with me because of this. That's always going to keep you stuck. I'm very high of the opinion that, you know, shame, it's it's not going to help you quit ever. Some people will say, well, yeah, but there's a little bit of shame. That you know, I just don't, I just don't believe that. I just don't yeah. believe that. And I just don't see that. And that doesn't mean we're going to get rid of shame. Like it's always going to be there. <laughs> it's always going to be there. I think it's Brene Brown who says, you know, only sociopaths don't have shame, <laughs> but you can learn to not just let it control and like take over and just like not believing it all the time. So that's what I mean when I say shame-free. I really like it. And I think like, that's a good point of like there really is no room for shame but I also think it's like important to acknowledge kind of like you were saying like we're always going to have the self-criticism but there's no need for the negative self-talk like we can acknowledge that there is a big gap between where we're at and where we want to be Mm -hmm. but it's just kind of a matter of what we do with that like there's no need to shame ourselves for that because that's not ever going to actually get us progress so I love that you talk about that okay so one of my favorite things about what you talk about is what do you do when you're feeling an urge to view pornography? So will you walk us through that? Yeah, this is this is that sex positive part. So we're not demonizing sexuality. We're not demonizing feelings and thoughts for sex or, or sexual urges. We're actually sex positive and we celebrate our sexuality. And that doesn't mean sometimes people hear that and they're like, you celebrate your sexuality. So you're just like doing whatever you want. And like, we're all just having a big porn party, you know, like, no, that, that, that's, you know, we're, we're going to act within our value system, but we're also not demonizing any of those parts of us that, that want this. And so with, with an urge, that's first step is, is we want to normalize it. And instead of like, you go away, what's wrong with you? oh, this is normal. This is just a physiological symptom. We can breathe into this. This is okay. Breathe. And then the the, the simplest way I teach people this process is stop, drop, and breathe. Let, let me explain quickly before I talk about that. There are some, when you, when you feel an urge, you have some options. You can push it away, willpower, what that's like. It's like holding a beach ball underwater. When you hold a beach ball underwater, it just wants to pop up. 
does it doesn't make it go away. It just makes it stronger, mm-hmm. pops up. You can give into it. So you feel an urge to view porn. All right, let's go do it. Most people get stuck between those two. Willpower given, willpower given, willpower given. Mm-hmm. There's a third option. This is what I teach. This is what a lot of us haven't been taught. And we don't even know it's an option, but it's just allowing it. It's allowing that urge to be there without giving into it and without pushing it away. This is a mindfulness skill that we learn when we're practicing mindfulness. And so I teach people to do this by stop, drop, and breathe. You stop, you notice that you're feeling an urge, and you neutralize it. Stop, this is okay, and I'm feeling an urge. I'm pointing it out to myself. Drop into your body. So instead of like trying to push it out of your body, you drop into your body and you just feel it. When, when you're trying to resist an urge, you're going to notice that your shoulders are really tight and, and your body's really tight and, you know, maybe you're anxious. So we're going to try to relax our shoulders, relax our body and just go into it. What does this urge feel like? And you're going to notice like sensations. Maybe you feel tightness or heaviness or lightness. Maybe you feel kind of antsy. Just get really curious. What is this sensation I'm feeling in my body? You know, if you practice meditation, you've, you've done this a lot in your meditating practice. And then third is breathe. So stop, drop, and breathe. Mm-hmm. You're going to breathe into it. Again, just relaxing our shoulders, letting it be there, breathing into it, letting it be there as long as it needs to. It's not a problem. It's uncomfortable. It's as comfortable, crazy uncomfortable. <laughs> like I said, I'm trying not to swear. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> But it's not going to hurt you and it's not its not irresistible. When it becomes irresistible is when you start willpowering and trying to push it away. But if you can just like learn how to sit with it, it's just a sensation that you can experience. Mm, I love it. I seriously like that is just that's it. <laughs> like, it's changing, isn't it? It's, it it's really like, is. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like revolutionary changes mm-hmm. everything for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, what a simple thing. It's mm-hmm. like, really? You think that breathing is going to change my pornography? Yeah. But like, I am a personal advocate. Yes, it really does. Like, because like, it's not just the breathing. It's totally the mindfulness and it's understanding, okay, where am I? You know, like, where am I right now? Just kind of those like grounding questions yeah. that you have to ask yourself. And then you finally like, like, I was going to use the, the word confront, but I don't even think that's a good word. But like you acknowledge that there's like that that side of you and like that sexual part of you. And mm-hmm. it's a very good and God given thing. And there's no God never intended us for just for like intended for us to just never acknowledge it. You know, yeah. I yeah. think he really wants us to. So, yeah, I just love it. OK, so I'm curious what so as you've as you've had this this practice for three or four years, what percentage of girls have you seen come to your practice? You know, it is mostly male heavy, but I I have had, you know, a good number of girls. We've tried doing like some some women specific coaching calls, but didn't quite have didn't quite have enough to make that like a, a long term thing. Mm-hmm. So to be honest, to be honest, not not as many as I know there are out there. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably mostly because of my messaging and the way that I yeah. I, I like draw in more men because of the way that I'm talking about it. For but sure. that is something that I that has been on my mind and that I, I want to start drawing in more women. And I do I do have women in the program and you know, at least one on coaching calls. That's cool. Most coaching calls, yeah. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And would you say, I mean, I don't know how much like experience you have with it, but would you say that there's like 
a difference in like how the men and the women are approaching it or I guess how hopeful they feel or anything like that? You know, I would be interested to talk to more women to kind of see that. But I I do think that there is a different level of shame there for the women that only one like I'm a girl. I shouldn't be struggling with this. There's there's almost like more and a little bit different shame that we have to work through because now instead of just all of the like conditioning around what's you know that that this is wrong and and there's something wrong with me now there's also conditioning around like what it means to be a woman women mm-hmm. have a lot of conditioning around like purity that, that can sometimes be harmful like like we're supposed to be really like pure and innocent and then we get married and we're supposed to be like animals in the bedroom you know and so so it's like it's like there's some shame there too that you know my sexuality is not being used in this way I might have been taught that it was supposed to be used which is for someone else does that make sense you know a lot of women are taught that their sexuality is for someone else not for themselves and so so learning how to work through the shame that that might exist there too there's there's these different levels of conditioning as as women that you get that that would be something to work through yeah yeah it's true and I mean I was like talking to my my dad about it and we were talking about how it's it's kind of such a stigma in the church because if you like, you know, like you are going to like have sex with your husband and you know what you like, then it's like, okay, why do you know what you like? Like you gross. Or if it's like, like you don't know what you like and then you just spend like the next 10 years of your life, not like enjoying it and just, Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, it's hard. And I think it's definitely important to find a, find a good, a good, I don't want to say middle ground, but just like figure out what, what our dialogue around that needs to be. So, yeah, I like I like that. Cause I mean, we think there's, it's like a continuum, right? We either think it's like, you never do anything or like have any sexual thoughts, like totally, totally innocent, or you're like a slut, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's not either of those things. Like there's some middle ground here. We can also, mm-hmm. and I love like, I see, I see all this work in the church and a lot of really great people like Jennifer Finlayson Fife, mm-hmm. who's done so much good work around this. Yeah. Amanda Lauder, a lot, like tons of Christian sex people now who are starting to change that narrative. And I think that is like, when it comes to women, I really think that that is like the most important, beautiful thing we can do for them is help them embrace and mm-hmm. love their sexuality and then the the porn use, you know, like it's it's going to take care of itself as we start to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. It really does. So speaking of like of marriage, let's go back to dating. What should like, I guess for any girls or even guys listening, what should we look for <laughs> as far as like dating someone? I mean, we hear messages in the church mm-hmm. of like, if they view if they viewed pornography, run the other way. And like, mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how much I... <laughs> Hate that. Well, I hate that. I'm sorry. I, I hate it. I hate it. I just can't. I, I just have to say I hate that. Okay, go ahead. I, I agree. No, I agree. And it, it seriously, it's such harmful messaging because yeah. I mean, I was I was talking to Richard Osler on his Listen, Learn, and Love podcast, mm-hmm. and he was like, a lot of times we have this checklist of like he when he was dating, he's like, they they will never be divorced. They have to blah blah blah. And like a lot of times I've heard girls have on their checklist, like he can't view porn. And my response is like, well, good luck. But, but, <laughs> but also like, it's so much more than that. It's like, what are they, I want, I want you to talk about this because you're going to phrase it much better than me. 
but I love how you talk about like the the iceberg and the and the tip of the iceberg. So if you want to kind of dive into yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I, I talked about this with Richard too. So I love that you bring him up. I love that guy. So, um, yeah. I, so iceberg. The porn is the tip of the iceberg, and underneath there is so much, so much other stuff going on. And so when you're dating. It's really like honestly, some of the best people I've ever met in my life yes. have struggled with porn or like even still do or or mm. would say that they've had struggles with it as teenagers. <clears throat> like the best fathers, the best husbands, like the most and I'm speaking from like the male, you know, the males, but of course women too, like the oh, yeah. best people. And if you can't say that, you probably just don't know that <laughs> you don't you don't know who struggled with it or not yeah. to be completely honest because it's probably 90 95% yeah. especially in today's world yes it's so true so or you just haven't met any good you know enough people truly and mm-hmm. so we we want to look underneath the sur- surface and see what's really going on and, and look at some other behavior that can give you a better indicator of what kind of partner they're going to be for you so some of those things might be are they are they trying are they respectful of you and do they respect your boundaries and do they practice consent in your relationship, including like your physical or sexual relationships? Or are they trying to get you to do things that you're uncomfortable with? When you say no, do they listen? Do they respect that consent? You want to look at, oh geez, I have a whole list of stuff that I posted on my Instagram. I can't remember all the things that I said, but like how, how they're treating you, how they talk about their porn habit. Are they like, sorry, this is just something you have to deal with forever? You know, like, mm-hmm. like not be something that you, you know, want want in a partner. Are they trying to quit if that's important to you? Or do they lie to you? Or are they really honest and open about things? Like, look, look at all this other behavior to determine. Because the truth is, like, yeah, there also are people in really, really tough, tough relationships and their spouses viewing porn. Um, and I wouldn't say it's the porn's fault. But it's also like all the stuff, you know, the reasons that they're doing or the reasons that they're not quitting or all the other stuff or manipulative behaviors or the lying that's going on behind the cert- behind the scenes. Or, and, and uh, you know, I, I say this because I, I, I don't want to be, you know, I have to be kind of careful because there is a lot of hurt and a lot of betrayal trauma in partners who find out that their spouse has been viewing porn and they didn't know about mm-hmm. it. And, and so like we don't want to invalidate that at all. For sure. Um, but like from a dating perspective, trying to decide who to marry, nope, look underneath the service, look at all these other behaviors, some of the things that I listed. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And if if there are people that are in a dating situation and I guess I want to take it two ways. One, if they're the one that's struggling with pornography and they're feeling mm-hmm. like they need to tell their significant other, or if they're on the other end and hearing this, how do you approach telling them? And then how do you approach hearing that? Yeah. So honesty is the best policy. Now you might want to wait until you're like at a point in your relationship where things could turn into a, like a marriage or another (laughs) long-term type relationship, just because, you know, you don't need to be telling people on your first dates, all Mm -hmm. all your, all your stuff. But yeah. So betrayal, trauma, trauma partners typically have the hardest time when there's lying and like lots of lying behind it. So you want to be as honest as possible as soon as you feel like things are going to be taken to the next level in your relationship. And also think about it as a way to connect with your person mm-hmm. instead of as a way to confess. Did you hear them talk about that at the BYU conference? Were you there for that part? The women's conference? Yeah. I was there, but I can't remember that part specifically. I, I, I loved what, what the therapist there said. He was talking about using it as an opportunity to connect and not just to confess. 
I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Really good way to start thinking about that. Let me tell you, I mean, connecting in ways like connecting with you, telling you about my struggles and about my life and like creating deeper, deeper levels of intimacy. Mm. And then once you're able to, once you're, you know, part in, in the inner sexual relationship too, using it to connect with your spouse, like to let them know what, what you like, you know, or <clears throat> things that you've discovered about yourself. And that can be a way, a way to connect as well. Yeah. Sounds funny, but... But I, I really liked that view. And then from the from the person who is hearing this, take the time you need. Allow yourself to feel whatever emotion it is that's coming up. Mm. Absolutely. And then, you know, really, really look at yourself and make sure you're not using shame tactics against this person. I might approach this a little differently if it was like a long-term relationship and there is a lot of betrayal trauma. But in like a dating relationship – might be a little easier to look at things a little bit more neutrally and shame-free. Okay. I like that. I think that's a perfect answer. Okay. Well, first off, before we dive into the last two questions, is there anything that you feel like you need to share or you're feeling prompted to share? Oh, good question. I think this will come up in your last two questions, but just the way that we change is through loving ourselves. We don't change from hurting ourselves or from hating ourselves. That just never, never works. You can't hate yourself into change. Love it. Amen. Beautifully, simply said. (laughs) Okay. So first off, what keeps you on the front lines in the war against pornography? Why even care about when there's so many messages about like porn is good and it's normal and it's natural why be against it yeah so so for me the reason that I do this work is really to help people come to a greater sense of like worth in themselves love for themselves and wholeness and healing so porn is great. Let's look at porn as much as we want. Sometimes that comes from a place of woundedness too. Like that's not Mm -hmm. just like a healed, healed individual all the time. Sometimes it comes from Mm -hmm. like the, I can't quit and I'm just going to indulge in everything. And, and I don't really know how to create my dream life, but I know how to like get some pleasure here Mm -hmm. and there. So helping people create their dream lives knowing that they can be in complete control of their actions, make decisions knowing that they're in control hmm. and and become totally healed, full of so much love for themselves. That's how you quit porn. And I, I think there's, there's a lot for, you know, I know you're talking mostly to women and women, we need a lot of help with this, but men need a lot of help with this too. They're not taught, yeah. they're not taught that it's okay to feel their emotions. <laughs> Oh, not at all. Yeah. You know, and us women too. I mean, I I wasn't taught it was okay to feel emotions either. There seems to be some, some deep conditioning on both sides, but, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's my short answer is just, I want people to be whole and healed and make Mm -hmm. decisions from integrity that feel good to them. Everyone has answers inside of them. Everyone knows what's right for them, what's good for them. We just have to heal all those parts of us to be able to show up and, and create a really beautiful world together. And porn's a really great way to start tackling all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I love it. And the what came to mind as you're talking about like this wholeness and this complete 
completeness is the scripture be therefore perfect and I think a lot of times we look at that and you're like well (laughs) I've got a lot of work to do but then you look at the I think it's in the footnotes and it talks about like being complete or being whole yeah I I think that this really is what it's talking about it's talking about like like I love that you are providing the resources for people to explore more of themselves and become more whole and actually acknowledge that side of them Mm -hmm. um and yeah, I love it. I think that's so good. Yeah, I love the the heal too. I mean, I love that scripture, Third Nephi, where Jesus says, like, come to me and I'll heal you. Jesus is our healer. Mm-hmm. And not even not even like like perfect and like whole and perfect, but like whole and healed. You yes. know, that that's what we're searching for. Oh, amen. Okay, final question. Mm-hmm. What would you say to a young girl who is struggling with pornography right now, who's feeling like she's alone and there's got to be something wrong with her. Mm. I would say, I know you've been taught that there's something wrong and, and there's not. And I'm so sorry you were taught that, that there's something wrong with you. I would tell her, this is a, like discovering this part of yourself is a totally normal, normal, beautiful part of growing up. And That doesn't mean that you have to keep viewing pornography or reading pornography. Like we can stop, but it's okay if it takes time. It's okay if you don't know exactly how to. The real problem here is that you have are full of shame. There's nothing wrong with you. We can stop. There's just you know there's nothing wrong with you. Take her and shake her. Look at me. Look at me. You're okay. You're okay. I promise. This is normal. This is natural. And and you can stop and it might take some time, but this is just part of growing up. You're going to be fine. That's, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. And we're going to figure it out and it's yeah. going to be just fine. Yeah. You're going to be okay. But, yep. It's not a message of shame ever. It is totally a message of hope. Yes. So I love it. Well, will you tell a little bit about your social media or where people can find you and your class and everything? Yeah. So Sarah Brewer Coaching we're kind of changing the name to all my stuff to overcome pornography for good. So if you search overcome pornography for good, you'll find it. Cool. I have a free class, sarahbrew.com forward slash masterclass. It's called how to overcome pornography for good without using willpower. And I dive into a lot more of those techniques. I have a podcast called overcome pornography for good. Those, those are, those are the main places you can find me and get more of me. Cool. And highly recommend. And we'll put those in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me. Like seriously, you're my idol. <laughs> I love that the work that you're doing and you really are helping a lot of people. So keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you for having me.